Hello, fellow light workers, beings, humans. Welcome to our podcast. Welcome, welcome. I'm Shannon. And I'm Shay. And this is our podcast. And today, what we want to talk about is your soulmate. How to really find your soulmate or soulmates? Question mark mates or should we say like this is really what we want to get into really dig into this topic of what is a soulmate are there different types of soulmates we hear terms like twin flame or um like what are what is all that so i want to talk about all the different types of ways our souls connect what type of different soul connections we have and how do we like seek out the highest ones for our best good and that's really ultimately what we want right oh yeah Okay, so let's first of all define what is a soulmate? What do we even mean by that, Shay? What do you mean? What do you think of when you hear soulmate? So when I think of soulmate, I think of a person that I believe is going to be in this life connected with me for the rest of this life. Um, Could have possibly been with me in a past life as well. Probably will be with me in a future life. But it's a soul that I feel connected to that I keep coming back to, you know? Um, a few, what was it? A few years ago, I had this like coming to Jesus moment wherein I figured out that it's not just my sex partner. Who's my soul soulmate. It's also like my best friend, Mitchell, who has been with me since I was four years old. And it's you, my mom is also my soulmate, my sisters, um, my friend Cassidy from college, like these are all people who I've collected and have become my tribe of people. And I really believe that all of them are my soulmates. It's, it's a person who your souls really speak to one another. Yeah. I love that. It's somebody that, you know, it's that person that, you know, you know them, even though it doesn't maybe even make sense. It's that depth of feeling. It's like what we were saying last week about how you know, the people in your life that you're supposed to know, they're the ones that, that spark a feeling within you. They're the ones that make you feel something. They are the ones that move you. They're the ones that, um, draw you. Mm -hmm. And so we know we're all vibration. We know we are energy. Everything is energy. So when we think about, I love what you're saying about, you could have multiple types of soulmates, um, different ways that we connect, like sometimes you'll hear about like soul family and that's kind of almost sounds like what you're talking about. Like my soul family, how do I find them? Who are they? Could that be different than my genetic family? Um, could it be the same? Could they, could they overlap? And I think that, that yes, they can. I, I do definitely think that there's people um, that are outside my genetic family that feel like it feels like a soul connection. So is that, is just, we pick different roles in this play that we're in. We pick different, we pick, like you were talking about your soulmates. You and I picked to be mother daughter this time. We've been many other things possibly, right? So it's just the soul connection. It's just that um, ever um, never ending sort of bond, honestly, that we all have, that we're searching for. That's what it, I think we mean as beings when we say we're searching for our soulmates. We yeah. feel like we are looking for connection is really what it is. Connection, human connection, right? Yeah, and I think that a lot of people get um, confused about what it is a soulmate actually is and these definitions of 
what a partner really is and what a partner isn't, you know, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my wife, my husband, but it even goes broader than that. It's even if you if you step back from just this idea of like one person is my everything um, and that I only have one soulmate out there ever. I think that really opens your your experiences up to really connecting with other people who aren't just one person. I don't think that one person can be your very everything. I think that that seems absolutely ridiculous to me. Yeah, we have a lot of social constructs around that idea that we're supposed to get our everything from one person. We're supposed to be there, everything, there are everything. I think that sets people up for both disappointment and just um, actually not not being as fulfilled because mm -hmm. um, there's definitely times when both people need lifting up. So they're, they're, it's what I was saying about your cup has to be full before you can give. But I, even deeper than that, something I was just watching. Um, uh, have you ever heard of Eckhart Tolle? Yes. He's like a spiritual teacher. Okay. So like he was just talking about this different, different ways and types of love event. And this really goes along with something Sad Guru was talking about, uh, about need-based versus, you know, why you get into relationships, why we feel we need relationships. So we just talked about like, we're connected. We need to feel that. We like to feel that as humans, we seek that. We seek connection, okay? So are we doing it? This is what Sadhguru asks us. Are we doing it because we're trying to fulfill a need? We're trying to fill a need and we see someone and we see how they could fulfill a need within us. And this is part of what draws. We see, um, you know, it's like the, human design it's the gateways right. okay like you fill my gateway so i'm gonna i'm gonna go find you and and that connection happens to fill a need and how different that is from seeking out relationships that are fully meant to just expand your joy mm -hmm. meaning i'm fulfilled already and my needs are fulfilled and i actually don't need outside source to fulfill my needs so when i seek a relationship i want it there to expand my joy. And that's what it's for. It's not a need fulfilling thing. So he, he talks about that. Eckhart was talking about um, how love, when you actually really love deep, unconditional love for somebody, what that feels like is you want their good. You want good for them, which is different from romantic love, which says you want them. Mm. Yeah. Does that, do you hear the difference in that? You want, you want them versus you want good for them. And it's really hard to get to a spot, I feel, when we're humans of that true, unconditional, you want good for them, you know, where if um, usually we're conditioned to even think this way, um, that I want them, I want them for me, that that is actually what we should be striving for. Um, that we should be striving for the attachment, that we should be trying to get our needs filled. But um, at the end of the day, this leaves us empty in the sense of how we were just saying, not, not everybody's going to have, um, be able to get all of that out of someone. And if it's a cycle of getting need off each other, that just cycles then at that point. 
and then needs aren't met, needs aren't met, needs aren't met. People go elsewhere. People look elsewhere for their needs to be met or other substances or other activities or whatever happens because it's a need-based relationship rather than an expansive relationship. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. It almost, it's very similar to this um, idea of like the power and control cycle, you know, that I need to control this person and I need this person to do these things in order to fulfill this need in me or in order for me to give all my unconditional love to them, they must do this, 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 and this. And it is that same cycle of abuse. I mean, exactly what you were saying is then you will start outsourcing and looking elsewhere. And then how does that feel in a relationship, especially when there's this expectation on the relationship for you two people to be a unit. And then as soon as this person starts outsourcing and looking elsewhere, um, when the whole construct is that it's supposed to be just me and this one person, then that starts to crumble and break down. And that's why it's unrealistic to, to even believe that it's only supposed to be two people together well, let's, well, wait a second. And let's just draw the law of attraction into this thing. If we're all vibration. Okay. If we're all vibration and we actually attract what we are versus what we want. Mm-hmm. When we're out sending out a signal of need, we're in a scarcity mindset, number one. <laughs> and, and um, so we're going to draw this the same. Mm-hmm. But, um, if we are truly vibrating love and truly, and that's actually how we find our soulmates is we be ourself and we vibrate who we are and we fill our bodies and our vessels and we fill that up as complete as humanly possible so that anyone that we're trying to vibrate with, hopefully they're doing the same, but um, that's what we're matching on is that, that expansion. So I do think that that's how we find our soulmates is we be us. That's truly it, be us. And how does it always come back to (laughs) self-love? You know, you really just have to love yourself first and fulfill all, you know, find, you know, just, just biologically, we have these needs that need to be met. Right. And so filling them for yourself so that you don't have to put that conditionally on anybody else and just, yeah, that radical self-love of really treat yourself well and whatever is supposed to vibrate to you in that highest vibration of love will come to you. And so I'm just thinking about even like, like high school sweethearts or you know like teenagers dating right what what do you think that does for humanity this whole I mean social media and this idea that like you only you only have one person can like have your love I'm just what what are your thoughts about that yeah I think it's an unhealthy construct I think it doesn't allow for connection beyond that then and it normalizes things like control and it makes it easier for control to happen. And it makes it easier for the bad sort of intent to um, exist as far as controlling of others. Um, is it okay to have a level of control with your partner? That's kind of what we're asking, you know? Um, so the question is like, can you be at peace with yourself? Can you know and love yourself to the point where um, you truly can just wish for and want the best good for another person? Everyone, your types of soulmates, because this goes into all different types of relationships, not just the romantic ones. So that's what we mean by like, how do you find your soulmates? Because, you know, 
yeah, you just laid out a bunch of different types of ones. So how do I vibrate? How do I vibrate to the good? Like, how do I find my tribe? Your tribe is your vibe. How do I get myself to that good, healthy vibration state? Because so many times we just draw in what we don't want because we're, we focused on it and what you focus on expands, <laughs> honestly. And we're not awake, we're not conscious. And that's, see, that's the other thing that Eckhart was talking about. Oh my gosh, I forgot to say this whole part. He was talking about, honestly, the things in relationships that we do that actually make us less conscious mm-hmm. versus the, the type of higher connections that make us more conscious. So things like, um, honestly, like right? Like sex makes us less conscious. All of these things are going on in our brains and body. Um, your brain goes into sex brain. There's good science on this that basically it's the human drive. The species is trying to stay alive. Of course we all, it's a really strong drive. So, um, when we think about how that takes down our consciousness, this is what Tolly was talking about. It takes our consciousness down because it's such a strong drive that we aren't awake to our own actions surrounding it. And that's such a good example of how sometimes the lower vibrations and like jealousy, this is another one that really pulls us in because it goes to your self-worth, really asks you questioning yourself and it makes you, um, we, we all know what that feeling of jealousy feels like. It does not feel good, <laughs> right? But so, all of that is sort of connected to those that, um, the fact that uh, sex actually brings our consciousness down. He was talking about like tantric sex and where- I was just about idea, to say this. Yes. The idea to be more conscious and to wake, it wakes you up, but that's not what vast majority of people are doing, <laughs> right? I was just about to say like sex magic though is real. And that it can be a beautiful um, uh, yeah, manifest things, especially if it's conscious though, right? If it's, if it's done out of love and right. it's not just um, a passing by or just a thing you're doing, <laughs> I guess. Look, I don't, and I don't mean to judge random casual sex. I don't. And people do what they like. It's not that. What the whole concept that we're talking about is I want to find my soulmate. Right. And I want to be able to find that connection, that deep connection. And when you allow like the sex brain hormones to basically take over, what you're trying to do is fill a need. Yeah. That's what you're doing is you're getting a need fulfilled. It's a need-based relationship. That's what um, Sadhguru was even talking about too. It's a need-based relationship and it works until the need is either fulfilled or you lose interest or whatever versus the true higher spiritual connection that we really really want to seek out as humans when we talk about our soulmate that's what it is right yeah so I I have a question for you who um who do you think was the first soulmate that you interacted with in your in your life who was the first person that you interacted with that you were like this is my soulmate for life um I think it was my brother yeah, my brother. Like I just had uh, um, such a uh, admiration, and just he was. I like had a bunch of hero worship. I think so. Some of it was that. Just he's the first one. I just remember being that focused on mm-hmm. as a little little girl. Like your big brother, maybe. Do you know what I mean? I think. Oh yeah, I totally get that. I, and then there was a time when we were younger, when uh, our parents got divorced, and we actually got separated. And I remember being 
like physically like ill by that. I remember not being able to sleep. I was just like, I felt that. Oh, I felt. I feel that. that in my bones as you're saying it, like immediately yeah. my heart space is like. Yeah, I know my little girl. I want to just, right. Yeah. I felt that. So I think that, I think that's the first kind of like inkling. How about you? Yeah, my siblings for sure, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I was born into already three siblings. So right. just like this unconditional, I can be exactly who I want to be with them and they're not judging me. And in fact, yeah. they're encouraging me to be even more weird. Nice sometimes means other times. But yeah, definitely my siblings. But what about those people who were born into a family and they don't feel like they belong? Right, people talk about that. Just being in a family. Like what if your game, part of your game was coming down with a whole group of people that weren't your natural soul family. You just want to try a whole different thing out. I think that's where people like feel like black sheep and feel like they just don't connect. I think that's just a type of game they're playing. Honestly, they're trying to learn something about themselves in that. I think that that's, that's like the hard concept to somewhat get to your higher self's acknowledgement when you've had a childhood that has any type of abuse or neglect in it, (laughs) because you're like, why would I pick that? I would never pick that you know especially as a kid you have zero control over that stuff did your higher soul choose that and that's very different than that was your fault by the way yes like none of that was your fault of course you didn't pick any of that your character didn't pick any of that your higher self wanted to learn a lesson on it this is where um i you know you hear people just talking about the cycle of reincarnation and the cycle of our it's the wheel of time it honestly is how how we learn the different things. And in this life, I'm the hero and in a different one, I'm the villain. And I, I'm learning lessons each time, each different role I play, each different aspect. And I think where the, like the soul connections come in is when we've done this so many times with others and we feel the, the connections that sometimes don't make sense where, yeah. you know, like we were saying, like, do you ever notice why are you drawn to some others and other people you don't even notice because they're the background people? Oh my gosh. And it's like, even this idea of our dreams being just this um, alternate reality that we're also residing in and who is showing up in your dreams. I mean, I have random people um, from right. high school who I'm not, I, I mean, if I saw them would totally chat with them totally would hang out with them or whatever, but we're not connected on like a personal level where I'm like calling them up, but they're showing up in my dreams. Like, is this somebody who is one of my soulmates as well? And just in this, in this lifetime, it just worked out that we aren't, you know, in close proximity in in that, in that way. Yes. This reminds me of, okay. So, um, I'm a medium for anyone who does not know. And part of a lot of times what I like to do with people is help them figure out who their spirit guide is. And this reminds me of what I get sometimes, which isn't that uncommon, is somebody has somebody as their spirit guide who's just like one step off of their life where they observed it, they're in it, but they're not in it. And so like that's how they, they were in a lifetime with them. Now they've come back as their spirit guide or some of those people pass and then attach as a spirit guide or whatever. And they're, they're not a, a connection during the lifetime of the person. They just observe um, because they're, they want a different perspective. That's it. Yes. Which just leads me to this whole idea of like um, the soulmate web that we have, you know? So we have this primary core of people who are our soulmates who we just know are going to be with us forever. 
But then even branching off of them, it's like, who are their, who are their soulmates? That's my yeah. secondary soulmates. I mean, it's like Josh, right? right? Like Cody is going to be our secondary soulmate forever. Whether I actually in, in physically with him ever again or not, he is in my life just energetically because we share a soulmate who is my brother. Right. Well, and so well. even then webbing off of him, who are Cody's uh, soulmates? And it's just like these people who, when you see them, like you both see each other, but it might not be that we are staying over at each other's houses or making plans to hang out, but yet these are the people who might show up in your dreams, you know? Yeah, right. Definitely. So um, kind of, again, getting back to this idea of how do you attract that? How do you attract the good friend? How do you attract, friend, right? Be the good friend to attract the, the good super friend. friend neighbor. How do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, cause some of those people, they make up our experience. Like those people that are just, um, you know, could that be part of the soul contracts we have as well? That even though you have soulmates that, you know, you feel, you feel them and all of that. Could you have some contracts with people that are just slightly off the side? Maybe. Right. Okay, the other one I want to talk about is the the twin flames, okay? Because this is another one we hear about the twin flames. And this is how I've heard it described. I've heard it described. I want to slightly question it. But mm -hmm. I've heard it described as like the divine masculine and the divine feminine. They split. They're basically one soul splits into that. Splits into one's divine. One is, or one is masculine, one is feminine. And then they come to earth as two bodies, but it's one soul. And then you mirror off each other. Okay. You mirror, you mirror. And that's how the connection works. It's very different than the soul mate. Sometimes these twin flame relationships are real intense because you really know you have this kind of like connection or whatever. I want to slightly push back on the whole divine masculine, divine feminine. Couldn't you have a divine feminine energy split twice? Couldn't you have two men be twin flames? Seems like pretty well, reasonable. What right? I, well, what I want to say too is like a, a woman can have more divine masculine than divine feminine just yeah. in body anyway. So it doesn't, I don't think it's male, female more as just what energies is this person emanating? It's the polarities maybe is what you're saying. Maybe like the whole light, dark, positive, negative thing. That makes a little more sense. I, I, you know, it's like, I, cause so much of our language, even within, you know, the healing community, it's really gendered yeah. and a lot. It is. So I just want to like really pay attention to that. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And understand that we know it's like even Kinsey identified 16 types of genders or whatever back in the yeah. 50s or 50s or whatever. So like we know that. So I don't want to gender us in that way, but it makes sense if we're thinking about that type. Nevertheless, whatever it is, this the twin flame relationship, you know, they say, yeah, sometimes people can be a, a romantic couple in that. Sometimes it's friends, sometimes it's parent-child, sometimes it's you know, whatever it is, but it's a real intense, different type of experience you're having with your twin flame, where you truly are picking this, this experience to be able to see, and this is where you trigger each other. And this is where, you know, the types of things that, that um, make you nuts about this other person are what makes you nuts about you. And maybe you don't know this, maybe you're not paying attention to this. Maybe you're not conscious of this. But that's really what's going on. And so, 
Okay, two people. So two people who are twin flames live together. They're conscious. They're conscious. Okay, what's that look like versus their unconscious twin flames? Like what yeah. what is what it, I need like an example of like what that looks like. What's the difference? Okay, the difference is you got the twin flames that um basically you get into a fight and you're both saying the same things, but you're both pissed and you're just throwing things at each other because you're a reflection. Okay, and you're not at all caring about or seeing other person's side. You're in victim mentality, you're in blame mentality, and you're literally like, you're doing this to me. Stop talking to me that way. Why are you treating me that way? Why are you doing that? Not that some of those questions aren't reasonable questions to have. Okay, I don't mean to say just that, but it's an outward energy of, um, like I said, sort of victim mentality blame versus, okay? You're both saying the same thing. You know you don't agree, okay? And you say and you notice, hey, okay, um, I notice that I'm getting, <laughs> like, I think what I don't like about this situation is that, you know, this. And, it, you, and you note the thing that's bothering you. You note the trigger and you note to yourself, what is that? And you ask yourself, what, you turn the finger to me and you say, what is going on with me that this is bothering me? Why am I letting this? Why am I reacting to that? You dig down, you find out what is it. And then you're like, hey, I think we're doing this. And then if both people can be like, okay, it diffuses. It literally diffuses <laughs> when you're both like, okay. It's, all right. it's almost like you don't even actually have to have the fight at all. It's you see right. the trigger. They, they do something That's that annoys you. You see the trigger. And then you're like, yes. You're like, okay, I understand. You the pattern. You catch the pattern. You're like, oh, okay. And that's something you got to work on. So then you know your pattern. You know your own pattern. And you accept yeah. and actually take accountability for your pattern. And that's not something we do well either. Because we like to victim. Well, we like to victim blame. That's different. We like to self-blame. We like to blame the other we like to put the responsibility for making me feel better on other person, which is really nuts when you think about it. Oh, yeah. You have to do a thing to make me feel something. If you don't do that, I'm going to be mad. I mean, I'll never forget. So I started working at um, the Women's Center, which is a domestic violence um, safe shelter. And one of mentors, Tracy, someone said something like, you're making me feel this way, Tracy. And she said, oh, no. I make you feel no way. You make yourself feel that way. Sorry you feel that way, but that's not me. That's you. And like that has been something that has stuck with me forever. Like nobody actually has the power to make me feel any type of way. Yes, it can trigger me. And yes, it can um, cause emotions to boil up in me. But then I get to choose how I feel. <laughs> no one else does. <laughs> no, thank you for your gift. Yeah. <laughs> I don't accept your gift right now of whatever it is. It's really hard to get to that point, but I, I do think that that's what we're trying to vibrate at. We all, I think would want something more balanced than that. We don't actually want to have these relationships that are painful and a struggle. I do think a lot of it does come back to that attachment that the gurus are talking about though. And what type of a, a love do you have? What type of a or love are you willing to even have um do you want it for yourself or do you want it for them do you want it because love feels good because what is love 
<laughs> what is love even, you know? And so if you're somebody um, who doesn't feel like you have any soulmates, if you're somebody listening to this, how can you, how can you identify those, those people in your life who are your soulmates? Well, I think it is who, um, like we were saying, the people that make you feel something, whether or not this is a good contract for your soul or not. Now that's a whole different story because you could have written in some painful contracts for yourself. You could have said to yourself, well, I can do this way through pain. So um, I'm going to do that. Or hopefully I'll pick a different timeline where I'm not doing it through pain. I can learn the lesson other ways. It's just a lot of times I think we cycle and we get stuck in cycles. We see cycle things in our families that we replicate. We see the behavior patterns of unhealthy relationships. So we play them out. We have no other way if that's our download. <laughs> so we perpetuate these um, less healthy ways of interacting. And we don't have real good language in our society for really, really just being who we are and being our unique persons. And I think if we had a little less social constructs around all of who is and isn't appropriate to talk to and all of that, this might be a little easier for us. Hopefully that's part of where we're going to as a higher consciousness earth <laughs> is letting go of all of the heavy attachment stuff that goes on with the lower vibrations um, in some of these real, you know, tension filled relationships sometimes. Yeah. And I just want to shift a little bit to this idea of, I know that when I think about the soulmates in my life, um, my interactions with them are almost like telecommunicative like you and I can be sitting uh, at a table together and talking and somebody else might be sitting behind us like what are you guys even saying yeah experience with with a lot of people in my life where it's like I can be speaking to them and then this outside person is just like what's going on here and so I think that's a great sign of um is this person somebody who I connect with on a super deep level yes or no well, how do we communicate in general? Can we yeah. communicate without having all the fluff or can we communicate without, you know, all the social constructs that, that look like what communication is supposed to be like? Yeah. I mean, I do think some of these relationships, these soul, deep soul relationships, even that we set up for ourselves are meant to work some of this out. So I think we also kind of have this crazy idea that once we find our soulmate, that it means infinite happiness and that there's nothing to do else at that point, except for skip around and hold hands. Like, right. no, nope. We got work to do with this person still, like still we could be connected, but not all of these are easy soul relationships. We have lessons to learn. Can we accept the lesson? Can we do the things, um, we're supposed to do in these relationships to bring ourselves to a higher sense of consciousness awareness are we doing that and isn't that the whole purpose of the soul relationship anyway oh i have so many questions i feel like so like as somebody who feels like they have a high or like their consciousness is rising right and then you say you have somebody who you have identified as your soulmate, but whose consciousness is lower than yours. It's like, how do you find that balance between like, um, being all the help that they need to do this inner work and giving them the space to do their inner work without interfering and feeling 
Do you know what I'm trying to say? I do. And this is kind of a tough line to kind of walk because um, I think most of the time our partners don't necessarily want to be, um, I don't want to say counseled, but in the sense, it doesn't always go over well. It doesn't. So it truly becomes, you have to be the thing and then your partner will notice and want to do that too or not. You vibrate to or away from the person on it then. And then you just make yourself as shiny and happy as possible. (laughs) And you can't control that. And either they'll vibrate up to your level or they'll vibrate on off and that's not the person. But we get all, we get attached, you know? And like I was saying, we get these, that's where you gotta be really wary of those relationships that are so need-based. Because then when the need isn't met for whatever reason, then we really suffer, we suffer. Okay, and how about this idea that you have soulmates for certain time periods? Yeah. Like I have had, best friend I've had multiple best friends in my life who at that time served this whole big uh purpose of like being my soulmate for that time and then when our time came to go different ways we went different ways and it was always amicable but what do you think about that just like having soulmates for certain time periods yeah I mean if our lives were like chapters yeah which sometimes they a little bit are then we get new characters that come in and out of our lives and yeah. it is, it is. And I think we, we really got to be grateful for these connect, really grateful. Cause I, you know, maybe you have a life where you've had a lot of them. Maybe you have a life where you haven't felt that many, but at whatever you have, it seems like it's worth at least getting the lesson out of it. At least like, you know, like, um, Abraham Hicks talks about milk it, milk it, milk it. Like if you get that good feeling and you get that good momentum going to milk it to the very end, right? Like, like you, you put the good energy, you expand the relationship as much as it's supposed to be and that it is what it is. Right. And that's it. And then when it's over, it's over. Sometimes people move and it's not even a, any reason beyond like, I don't like you anymore. It could yeah. be just like you've relocated. I got a different job out of state now or something. I mean, right. having moved around in the military, I experienced a lot of that, a lot of that where you connect and then you move. And that's just what it is. In that moment, we have this beautiful connection. We, we have that and it's a great memory. And, but that's what it was meant to be maybe. And I do think you, I do think that you maintain contact with the ones you're supposed to. Does that make sense? You know, kind of how we were talking about before about how um, you can't force a relationship. I know a lot of people in law of attraction forums talk about manifesting specific people. I want to get this specific person that I know is probably my soulmate. Okay. And I seen this person and I feel the thing and I know we've been together in prior lives and I know I want this person. I'm trying to manifest and think about know, vibrate love and have this person. The whole thing about that is, yep, if that's actually supposed to be who you're with, you're not, you actually don't need to do anything. You actually don't, you just be, you just be you. The more you, you are, the easier it will be for you to connect if you're supposed to. If you're not, then it's, um, this is where you got to be just ultra conscious of yourself and not be trying to, um, you know, like come from a lack 
again, come from a, a lack mentality where I'm lesser somehow if I don't get this person. Again, I don't want them good for them. I want them. And so I think we mess up our manifestations with that too. And we don't allow our actual soulmate maybe to find us because we're busy trying to control a situation, trying to bring something into our life that we really feel like we want, um, but actually isn't for us maybe. And can and maybe, that blind you from your actual life, from interacting with the people yeah. who are actually around you? Yeah, it's really, truly like how sometimes the universe takes things away from you that feel devastating in a moment, but it's actually just clearing out energy mm. so that it can bring in something higher. And so when we hold on enough, the longer we kind of hold on to those things, the more painful it is for us. Instead, we just thank you for that experience, that person, um, like let them flow on past, let it flow on past so that you can just vibrate love. And I think it also is like service. And this is how you really find your people is, is to give service to humanity and to um, not have a, a selfish um, love that you're searching for, but a selfless and love. That's and that's the difference between I want that person and I want what's best for that person, right? You know, yeah. the, the whole cliche saying of if you love them, you got to let them go. Well, sometimes yeah. it is what you have to do. And it hurts, right? And we don't like that. <laughs> it, we don't like that. But um, also, the, the more we hang on, the harder it is then for us, you know, for us. And yeah, and it is hard to let somebody that you that you love go, right? But that's that's where it's, if your needs are met and you will practice um, self care, you'll get through you'll get through that, and that the emotion is only temporary. And if you really want what's best for that person, it's gonna make you happy to see them happy. Right. You know, we've been taught a different thing. We've been shown fairy tales. Yeah. We've been told that love is, you know just this fantastic fantasy thing that really doesn't exist. I mean, there's like good science on our, our, um, what happens in our brains when we fall in love and, you know, eventually those chemicals dip down and, you know, there's like, I mean, we know what happens. We know what that feeling of infatuation feels like. And, and then when you don't like, you, that's not something usually maintained by your brain. It just isn't physiologically. So, um, when we're told and taught the idea of what being in love is and what it should look like and what you should do and what's okay and not okay, it hasn't been consistent. <laughs> it's been pretty patriarchal. And, um, and I don't mean that in a male way, just the way that it's been structured, yeah. right? Our society and such. Um, so I think this doesn't help the situation when we have all these we have a ton of limiting beliefs around it and what love should look like what we should be teaching people is just how to love themselves because then you'll stop looking for outside validation and you'll stop um looking for love in all the wrong places and all of that all of that jazz yeah so we just love ourselves right again we go back to the self-love on it <laughs> and love without attachment you can love things without attachment to them i heard this whole idea of when you're attached to something right the more you're grabbing, the more you're wanting, 
the further you're pushing that thing away, as soon as you give it the freedom to come and go as it pleases, that's when things really begin to flow and when you can really feel that abundant, um, that abundant energy coming from that situation. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're human and we're definitely not suggesting these things in these spaces and these, this mindset is necessarily super easy to get to. Right. Um, especially with all the programming we've had. But if we go toward it and we actively try to consciously be awake and understand that a lot of the feelings we have around, I mean, this topic have been sort of fed to us. So um, instead we focus on us, instead we improve us, instead we love us. We keep saying it over and over, but that's how actually you can find your highest soulmates, you know, for sure. And I just want to um, talk about another indicator that I think is for me personally, something that has helped me kind of identify those people who are, who are my soulmates is when you meet the person, you see them in their face and you feel like you've known them your whole entire life. You know, I've met you when I was 20 years old, but I see you as a little boy. I see you as a baby. I see you as a teenager. I see all, all your lives before you. I think that is another indicator of, you know, this is somebody who my soul has a contract with. Yeah, right. I think it's a really beautiful concept about, you know, how connected we are and just even dealing with people's spirit guides and like the, um, the souls that are connected to us that we don't see. We have a lot of soulmates on that side of the veil too. We have, we have a whole team. We have a soul team around us waiting to lift us up and to help us and to love us and to feed us energy and if we ask them. So, um, I, I know that sometimes in the lonelier spots, we've all been there where we've just felt lonely and unloved and unwanted or whatever, but, um, and we where we're just like, we need, I want someone, I want someone in my life. We just have to be careful law of attraction wise. and just talking energy wise of like putting out that lack, putting out that vibration of lack because uh, what you're going to hook up with is, is another person who has the same lack mentality. And we well, know and what going, those relationships look like. And even going off that, say that you are, you are blessed to um, be living a life with your soulmate or soulmates. Um, how can you manifest that relationship to turn it into something that's actually negative? You know? Yeah. And it's everything that you're saying. It's like this need-based, this lack-based, this scarcity mindset that people um, can sometimes put themselves into. It's really finding the gratitude in every little bit of interaction with these people who you're honestly so lucky to have in your life. I know that sometimes even I, we all take things for granted at, at times. And it's just taking a step back and realizing how lucky and blessed that you really are instead of seeing the annoyance in um, the small things. Yeah, definitely. But it's, I think it's a really natural um, desire to have these connections because again, we are all actually super connected <laughs> anyway. So I think that's part of what makes it feel so hurtful when we feel alone. It's not mm -hmm. our natural state is like feeling alone. Mm -hmm. So that's what we don't like. We don't like that. 
And so if you are somebody who um, can't identify any soulmates in, in your life, maybe this is your sign to work on yourself. You know, if, if you don't have um, people that you're spending a lot of time with or something like that, what better time you have all the time then to, to really work on yourself and get yourself to an energetic level to be able to attract uh, these people. Right. Because you are the creator of your universe. You are the creator of your reality. You are the one that's manifesting the things around you. You're the one that's drawing in the vibration, the energy. You're the one that's outputting. So you manage yourself and that's really what you can do. And so I've also, I've seen people who have, you know, soul tribe around them pretty clearly and yet they're still searching. They're still, they kind of throw those people to the back burner and all oh, like, I'll get to, I'll spend time with them or I'll make time for them when, but they're still out there searching. And so what can we say to that person? I think it's all the same thing. I really do think it's all the same thing. Um, and I do think sometimes we end up vibing with like a, almost like a lower vibe tribe where it actually, we know what that feels like, but I think that's why we leave that friend set behind is because they're bringing us down. They're dragging our energy. They're, they're the ones that we're exhausted sometimes by that's not the relationship we necessarily want. So we're looking for the higher vibrations, Yeah, you know, serve humanity you'll find the others who are serving humanity. That always feels amazing. And that's the type of connections. That's the type of bonds, but it's, it's also a skill set, I think, you know, of um, being able to love yourself and fill up your own cup. That's a skill. <laughs> that's, you know, that's part of what we're working on in this life is how to love ourselves. That could be our whole entire soul mission is, hey, I want to learn to love myself in this lifetime. And I mean, look at this little soulmate who just crawled up on your lap. Right? This little guy. I, I Can pets be our soulmate? I think can so. I really, age? yeah. Yeah, I it's so. crazy how I love this dog. It's nuts, especially because and remember. All... <laughs> I love this dog. Yeah. And I have not been a, a dog person necessarily, as you know, but he's so sweet. He's like, um, he has such a, um, just a sweet disposition about him. And so whenever I'm feeling something, he always like crawls up on my lap. He's always, um, <laughs> he's always ready to give some love. That's what's so beautiful about an animal, right? The, yeah. like, the unconditional love, the dogs anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the cats, maybe I have a whole different mission for us. We have to learn to love <laughs> ourselves around our cats. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for this conversation. I know we could go on and on and on about this, but I think this is a really great place to just, you know, dear listener, go reflect, just reflect on, you know, and, and maybe write a gratitude list about these people who are in your life. And if you can't identify anybody, now's the time. Be grateful for yourself and, and know that you are able to give yourself the love that you really deserve. 100%. I agree. Um, uh, if you liked our video, please give us a like, <laughs> yes, subscribe. please come on back and listen to us. We're really grateful. I mean, Shay, I, if it was just you and I talking and nobody ever watched these videos, but you and I like, thank you. Yeah. I'm so <laughs> happy. I love our friends. Yeah. <laughs> I love you so much. And I love you, dear listener. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye.